So, um, tonight we are diving into the calling of the disciples. How many of you were in life groups this past Sunday? All right. Okay. So, for those of y'all that weren't in life groups, I'll get you caught up. We actually talked about a call to ministry that Jesus gives to his disciples right there on the Sea of Galilee. And we're diving into this. And as I got to thinking about this passage of Scripture, there's one thing that came to my head. What are the characteristics? What are the qualities or the characteristics of a person that God uses? If, God, if Jesus is going to call these disciples, there is something that Jesus knew about them that mattered. There is something about them that Jesus was drawn to. And I started thinking about what, who, like, what are those qualities? What are those characteristics that we see in the disciples that maybe kind of relate to us? Maggie just read uh, Matthew chapter 4. But I, wanna, I want you to jump over to Luke chapter 5. Okay, I want you to jump over to Luke chapter 5. Um, I'm sorry, Haley read, not Maggie read. There you go, Haley. Thank you for catching me. All right, uh, Luke chapter 5. This is the, uh, the flip side of the story, all right? So Matthew gives his rendition of the story. Then Luke, who's a little bit more detailed, gives his rendition of the story. In Luke chapter 5, I want you to bounce down to uh, around verse 6. Verse 6. And when they had done this... They caught, that's the, they put the nets on the, on, in the boat, and they caught all of these fish. And when they had done this, they caught a great quantity of fish. It was a miracle. It was so much fish, they didn't know what to do with. And their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come over to them. And when they came and filled both of the boats, then it really became a miracle, right? Filled both of the boats to the point that they were sinking. That's a lot of fish, y'all. That's just not catching a little eight-pounder, right? Uh, for all our fishermen in the room that want to get an eight-pounder, which that's like a myth sometimes. Man, that fish was that big, right? I mean, he was huge. And every time they tell the story, it gets bigger, right? That's how the, you tell a fish story. But these guys, in telling their fish story, it filled this boat, then it filled that boat, and it filled both boats so much that they started to sink. Y'all, that's a miracle. It was a miracle. In verse 8, this is where I want you to look at some of the qualities and the characteristics of the disciples that God chose. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What does that tell you about Peter? What does that tell you about him? He recognizes the power of Jesus, and what did he do? Did he stand up and say, thank you, Jesus? No, he went where? To his knees. He went straight to his knees. And he said, oh, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm a sinful man. And then in verse 9, it says, for an amazement has seized him and all of his companions. So it wasn't just, it wasn't just Peter that was amazed by what was happening, but all the guys that were in the boat handling all the hundreds of millions of fish. Because their catch of fish, which had ta- that had taken, and likewise also were James and John, sons of Devity, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, for now on you will be catching people. 
And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Y'all, they left the largest catch in all of history. They are sitting on the bank, literally. Not just the bank of the, the shore of the lake, but they were sitting on the bank, like really. They had scored big, and they walked away from all of it. What are the qualities? What are the characteristics that we need to see in our disciples, these disciples, these original 12? What are some of those qualities and characteristics that apply to us if we're truly going to say yes to Jesus? If we are going to make the choice to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what are some qualities and characteristics that we need to look for or aim toward or to begin to pursue in our lives? I came up with four of them, and they all start with the letter H. So I'm a good Baptist preacher, right? Uh, so hopefully you'll remember it because it's, they're all H words. You know, I also thought about, you ever wonder what the most dangerous prayer to pray is? Like, if you're going to get on your knees, the most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray, you ready for this? God, use me. Because here's the reality, that when we honestly come before God and say, God, use me, guess what he's going to do? He's going to use you. He's going to use you. I don't know what life was like before in Peter's life or in John's life or even the sons of Zebedee. I don't know what life was like, but I feel like it was probably pretty ordinary I feel like it was probably all about the pursuit of the next catch. And for them to be in this spot, they weren't sitting up underneath a rabbi. They weren't, they probably failed out of the rabbi school back in the day. I don't know how much of a connection to God that they had, whether it was just through the temple or what, I, I don't know. But for whatever reason, Jesus saw the heart of James, of Peter, of John. Matthew, he saw the heart of all of these men, and that's what Jesus responded to. It wasn't necessarily the work of their hands, but it was the condition of their heart. And as I think about this, I have to believe that what God is looking at in each one of us to be a disciple of Christ, he's not looking at what you can tangibly do with your hands or how strong or buff you are. Or how dynamic of a personality that you have. Or the biggest smile or the prettiest hair. That is not the characteristic of what God is looking at for his disciples. He's looking at the condition of your heart. It's almost like he just peels back the skin. And he looks intently into your motivations. He looks intently into what is the thing that, what's your internal motor? And he looks at those things and he says, this is what I want to use. And what's on the outside is just lanyap. That's a Cajun term for a little extra. And so here it is. Here's some qualities and characteristics of a person God uses. One, he's humble or she is humble. Living the disciple life is never about you. You think about the three-year journey that these disciples were on. It was never about 
Peter, although he tried to make it about him, was never about John, although he was a lover of Jesus. No, he was, it's never about you. The person that God uses is not pride-filled. He's not arrogant. He's not proud. He's not self-serving. That's not the, the characteristic of a disciple God uses. But the characteristic of a disciple is one that is humble. Not just humble in action, but humble in heart. Willing to deflect any kind of recognition. Willing to say no to the celebrity status. But willing to serve and to willing, I'm getting into that in just a minute, but willing just to humble themselves, not only before others, but also humble themselves before God. The Beatitudes talk about how blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. That's truly what it means to be humble before God. That in the very presence of God, or even in the presence or even the hope, like even in the secret place of your bedroom, how humble are you before God when no one else is looking? Are you contrite? Are you bowing low? Are you in desperation for the things of God in your life? These are qualities. These are characteristics of a humble disciple. Number two, the next H word. You ready? I had to really think about this one. This one was handy. H-A-N-D-Y. Handy. It's another word for available. It's not that, you mean, if a, okay, so like a carpenter is looking for a common tool, they're looking for it to make it handy. In other words, that it's ready to grab. It's quick to grab. And this is a quality and a characteristic of a disciple who has surrendered to Jesus. They're handy. They're ready. They're available. Yes, Lord. Their yes is always on the table. They're ready to move at a moment's notice. It looks like the posture of hands out and heart open. Lord, I'm available to you. It may look like a song or it may look like a lyric. It may look like whatever, but there's something that's said about you, your declaration of your life that simply says, hands out. It's not tight-fisted. This is my life. No. It is available and open and heart-ready. Heart-ready. The posture of the disciple matters. Did you hear me? The posture of a disciple matters. What is the posture of your life? What is the posture of your heart? If you're one that is seeking after God and desiring to be a disciple, you're desiring for the things of God in your life. You're desiring God to use you. What is the posture of your life? Is it tight-fisted, arms crossed, back turned? Or is it arms open? Palms up, heart ready. My yes is on the table, handy. Number three, hungry. Hungry. And I'm not just talking for food, y'all. Amen. Although I do like a good barbecue sandwich, all right? Um, sorry, some of y'all hungry didn't get dinner before this. My bad, Ramsey, sorry. Um, Matthew 5 
once again in the Beatitudes, talks about blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here's what I like. And Jesus puts a promise at the end, for you will be filled. Are you hungry for the things of God? Are you craving it? Are you desiring it? Do you want to see an act of God in your life? Do you want to see a miracle happen in your life or someone else's life? Are you hungry? Is your prayer life fueled for that? Are you constantly asking God, Lord, I want you to use me. Lord, I want you to make a difference in someone's life. Lord, would you put me in a place where I can boldly declare the gospel tomorrow? Are you hungry for those things? Do you desire that? Do you long for that? Are you hungry for it? Number four. So we've got humble, handy, hungry, and last one is heart. Heart. I wrote this down, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, do you have the heart of a lion, courageous and bold? Do you have a heart of love for Jesus, kind of like the apostle John, one of Jesus' disciples who was known as a lover of Jesus? They said that he would constantly be at the feet of Jesus. John just loved. He was a great lover of Jesus. He constantly wanted to be at the feet of Jesus and learning and growing and expressing his love to him. Now, that is a love that we have for God, but it's also a love that we need to have for each other. For a disciple that God uses is full of love, unending, abounding love. That God, I love you so much that I'm willing to love no matter who is in front of me unconditionally, I will do whatever is necessary, in other words, for other people to see the love of Christ in me. I'm not going to be a doormat, but I'm going to be a pursuer of love in all of the relationships that are in my life. And if there ever is a relationship in my life that's kind of rocky, I'm going to do what I can to smooth that out, to be a peacemaker, because I love that person, because God loves them, and I want to show that love to them. And so a characteristic of a person God uses is a heart that's full of love. And it's not just a fake love, it's a genuine love. Those are four characteristics. But as I started thinking about those characteristics, I thought about what Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended into heaven. And the only promise... That Jesus gave his disciples, is, there's only one. And he simply says, and lo, I will be with you. The only promise, the only promise that he gives to us is his presence. Is his presence. As we follow after Jesus, and as, as we commit ourselves to being a disciple of Jesus Christ... The promise that he gives to us is not more possessions, is not more money, is not more status. No, the only promise that Jesus gives to his disciples is, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. It is the promise of his presence. And I got to be honest with you, if I want anything from God, that's probably the best thing that I want. 
I just want to be with Jesus. And I want Jesus to look favorably upon me. I want the eyes of God to find me ready, available, and ready to go. Is that your desire as a believer in Christ? Is that your desire as a disciple of Jesus? That he would look favorably upon you? Because it's true, the eyes of God roam to and fro, looking across those who he will find faithful. And when Jesus looks at you, because he's looking, he's looking. And when he sees you, is he seeing a heart that is ready? Is he seeing handy? Is he seeing humble? Is he seeing all of these things about who you are and that he would look at you and go, that's my, that's my person right there. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. Y'all, that, that's a good place to be because his presence in my life is all I need to keep going. If I know that he's with me, no matter what struggle, no matter what persecution, no matter what suffering, because all of those things are promised to the disciples. No matter what I go through, no matter what hardship I go through, I know that what he promises me is that he's going to be with me. He's not going to leave me, nor he's not going to forsake me. If I'm in the middle of a hardship, if I'm in the middle of my grief, or I'm in the middle of a breakup, I'm in the middle of a family falling apart, guess what? He's not absent, he's present. He's present. And that is enough. That is enough. For being a disciple is really twofold. It's knowing Jesus. I'm going to pursue knowing him. And then it's helping others to know him too. Because that's what the disciples did, right? When they were with Jesus, they got to know Jesus. And then when Jesus left the earth, guess what they started doing? Telling everybody else about Jesus. They knew who Jesus were, was. And then they began to make him known through all the world. Can't think about, I can't, the, the moment when Peter is standing in front of 3,000 people and they, he declares the gospel to them for the very first time. And 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. Why? Because Peter knew who Jesus was and he was on a mission to let everybody know who he was. And that is the same calling that God places on our lives, y'all. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are to know him and to make him known to the world. How is your life reflecting Jesus Christ? What are you doing? What are you saying? Who are you? Are you reflecting Jesus Christ in your life? One of the hindrances, the biggest mistakes a disciple can make is to allow sin to dominate their lives. The biggest mistake a disciple can make is to allow sin to creep in. And y'all, this is it. We are in this battle. As a disciple of Christ, all of us who are disciples, all of us are facing the same battle. And it's a battle not of flesh and blood, but it is of principalities. It's of things of not of this earth. They are with the evil one. Y'all, and that evil one is going to want to do everything he can possibly do to steal, kill, and destroy you. He doesn't want you to be a disciple. He doesn't want you to be a lover. He doesn't want you to be available. He doesn't want you to have a heart of a lion and the boldness 
of Peter. He doesn't want that. And so he's going to do everything he possibly can to derail you and to distract you. And he's going to put that temptation of sin in your life. And he's going to derail you as best he possibly can. And putting this thing together, this talk together, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't help but ignore that fact. That for the student in here that makes, it, makes this decision tonight to go all in for Jesus, the very first thing when you walk out that door is going to be your mind and your heart is going to be filled with doubt. Because the evil one is going to rob you of your joy that you find in this moment. He wants you to walk out of this room full of doubt. He wants you to walk out shame-filled, unworthy. He wants you to feel that way. And when you start feeling those thoughts, you start hearing those things, you take that thought captive unto the obedience of Christ and you simply say, no, I don't believe that. Because what I know who I am in Christ, that I am loved, that I am known, and that he is with me. That's the promise that I have. I can walk into this world knowing that full well. And I can do battle with the evil one pretty easy. Luke 9, 23 and 24, which is probably one of the most popular passages of Scripture as it relates to being a disciple, it simply says this. Jesus says, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, this is the one who will save it. Y'all, that is laying it down. And Jesus is pulling no punches. That if you're going to follow after me, just know that you're going to have to deny yourself, humble. You have to take up your cross, humility, be handy, right? To deny yourself, take your cross, and then what? Follow. Who? Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's denying himself, denying of pride. It's laying down the bank on the bank, leaving the nets, and following him. Jesus, whatever you want for me, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I don't know what my future looks like, but if you're with me, I'm in. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but if you're with me, I'm in. I don't know if I'm going to get married to the cutest guy ever, but if you're with me, I'm in. True? It is. I hope I pass my test next week, but if you're with me, I'm in, right? Lord, please go with me. (laughs) Give me an A, Lord. Come on. The journey with Christ I don't know where that's going to take you. And some of you are thinking, well, if I put my yes on the table with Jesus, he's going to send me to Africa. No, it's not true. He will send some to Africa, but he may not send you. He may make you the most godliest businesswoman or businessman ever known. He may open the door for you, for a family that you lead the next generation to Christ. And if that's for you, and if he's with you, I'm sure you're in. I'm sure you're in. Here's the final thought. Jesus is calling every one of us to discipleship. 
It's the art of following Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It is literally you are in the dust of the rabbi. As they walked and talked with Jesus, we had some dirty disciples. Because as Jesus walked, he kicked up dust with his flip-flops. Maybe not flip-flops, maybe sandals. He kicked up dust and the disciples were so close to him that they got dirty. Can that be said of you? That you are walking so close to Jesus that wherever he goes, you go. Whatever he says, you're listening. If he points in a direction, you're headed off. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the call that Jesus is asking on all of us here tonight is to follow him. Discipleship. It doesn't, I mean, yes, it's about being a part of a group where you follow, you know, discipleship things, right? You know, it's a 1024 group, it's a life group, those kind of things. But what about your heart, y'all? What's in you? Do you have a heart to follow Jesus? And if you don't have a heart to follow Jesus, whoo, that's what rebellion looks like. And I don't know if you study the Bible much, but when you walk in rebellion to Jesus, or you walk in rebellion to God, things don't turn out so great. I mean, just look at the nation of Israel for the first 40 years after they got through the Red Sea. They wandered for 40 years. Because they didn't believe God would take care of them. Do you, are you trusting God with your future? Are you trusting God with what's next? Are you willing to say, Jesus, I am going to follow you? I don't know where this is going to take me. But I believe you're going with me.